Some years ago, I served on a committee of our presbytery that was tasked with overseeing the men who were training to become gospel ministers. And one of the tasks I had was to help these men get prepared for their examinations on the floor of presbytery. And we would help them prepare, but one of the words of counsel I would always pass on to these men, it was a word of counsel that I received, and that is, when you talk about the Trinity, do not talk about the members of the Trinity, but talk about the persons of the Trinity. And whatever you do, do not refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. Now, I think that's something we could all identify with. I think all of us have committed that error. All of us, probably at one point or another, have referred to the Holy Spirit as an it. When the scriptures clearly teach that he is a person. And I think that's very important for us to understand because it could reveal to us uh, a subtle error in our thinking And perhaps our struggle to live in light of the Holy Spirit's presence and his ministry in us comes as a direct result of perceiving him as a nameless, faceless force instead of a person who is at work in us, a person who is the great agent of our salvation and our sanctification, a person who reveals to us Jesus the Savior. Now, how do we know what the Holy Spirit is like? The very term, uh, some of the older versions call him the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit, it it seems something uh, foreign and ambiguous. How do we know what he is like? Well, the simple answer is that Jesus shows us what the Holy Spirit is like, and in turn, the Holy Spirit reveals to us what Jesus is like. In our text, this is captured in the little word, another. Jesus promises another helper or another counselor. Now, this is important because in biblical Greek, there are two words that can mean another. But the word Jesus uses here means another of the same kind. People, we hear people say, I'm I'm going to another church. Well, they don't, obviously, they're leaving one church and they want another church. They don't want one of the same kind. But the word Jesus uses here means another of the same kind. Now, the disciples here felt a tension that we often feel. Jesus was leaving them. He had told them he was going away, and where he was going, they could not now come. And they felt a tension that we feel. They were thinking that their relationship with him was going to diminish. It was going to decrease, that they would have a less intimate relationship with the Savior when he went away. 
And we can feel the same sort of thing in a, in a bit of a different way. We could think if only, if only Jesus was here in the flesh. If only he was with me and I could, I could see him and, and know his presence. But what Jesus teaches here is striking. He says, you should rejoice that I have gone to my father. In chapter 16, he would say to the disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not, the helper will not come to you. Jesus is teaching that the Holy Spirit's ministry within us brings a greater intimacy with Jesus than if we were in that upper room with him. In the Holy Spirit, we have everything that we have in Jesus and more. Because Jesus and his Father are present with us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that explains Jesus' seemingly confusing statement in verse 19 when he says, In a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. He says, I'm going away, but you are going to see me and know me in a greater way through the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think this addresses a problem or a question that we often face, and it's really a problem and question that much of the New Testament addresses. And that is, what do we do as the church of Jesus Christ that lives in these last days between his ascension and his second coming? How do we live for him? How do we resist temptation? How do we overcome sin? How do we keep from being overwhelmed with fear and anxiety? How do we function as Christians in this fallen world without the physical presence of Jesus? And the comforting answer is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the Opening verses of Revelation, uh, it, there's this confusing statement. It says, and blessings from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Now that's uh, symbolic language speaking of the Holy Spirit in light of his sevenfold sufficient power to help us and bless us. The Holy Spirit has come, and he will give us everything that we need to hold fast to Christ. <coughs> Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And if you are in Christ today, he has done that for you. I want this morning to think about really four aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we can glean from Jesus' teaching here. Four things that the Holy Spirit does for us so that we can live the life in Christ and, and be comforted 
and live in light of the hope of eternal glory. And the first thing that Jesus underlines for us is that the, the Holy Spirit is sent to be our teacher. Remember, Jesus said this would be another helper or another counselor, another of the same kind. In chapter 13, verse 13, Jesus said to the disciples, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. For three years, Jesus had been their teacher. He had been their rabbi. He had been the prophet foretold. But he was going away. And the question was, who will teach us the deep things of God? We think many of us have had the experience where you're being trained for something. Someone's teaching you and training you and preparing you. And they say, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. And you're ready to go. And you're thinking, wait, there's still so much I don't know. I need more instruction. I need more teaching. And the disciples, no doubt, felt that way. And here Jesus assures them and he assures us that the Holy Spirit is another teacher of the same kind. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Everything that we have in Jesus, we have in the Holy Spirit. We have a teacher in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is revealing to us what the Spirit is like. Jesus said he is a teacher like me. He is a rabbi like me. He is a prophet like me. What does the Holy Spirit do as our teacher? Let me give you three important things because first of all, the Holy Spirit has what we could call an illuminating ministry. An illuminating ministry. In other words, he enlightens our eyes. He gives us understanding. He gives us wisdom. He, uh, Paul says in Corinthians, he searches the deep things of God and reveals them to us. Verse 26, he will teach you all things... And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, this is not a promise of a supernatural memory. Sorry. But we need to be careful to separate out what, what was just to be applied to the apostles here and, and what carries over to us. This was, first of all, Jesus was assuring them that the Holy Spirit was going to help them recall everything so that they could write down in the Holy Scriptures everything that Jesus had said and taught. We read the Gospel of John, and you might think, wow, John must have like an amazing memory. I think it's more that the Holy Spirit was bringing to remembrance all that Jesus had said to him. But that doesn't mean there's not an application for us. In verse 17, Jesus calls him the spirit of truth. Calvin commenting on this saying, 
he says Jesus was teaching that the Holy Spirit is the master teacher of truth. And how is he the master teacher of truth? Well, the Holy Spirit works by and with the Word of God to teach us the deep things of God. He, he grants us greater and greater understanding of God's Word. He, he is what, when the Word is preached, acts and applies the Word to our heart. You ever wonder why that you could present all of the facts regarding the authenticity of the Bible to someone who doesn't believe? And no matter how many facts you present, they still won't believe. Well, why is that? They don't have the Holy Spirit. The Westminster Confession says this, and I, I want you to listen for how uh, the Spirit works by and with the Word. Our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority of the Scriptures is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the Word in our hearts. It doesn't matter how little or how much education you have. It doesn't matter if you are a proficient reader or if you struggle to read. If you are in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit, then you could have confidence that he will grant you understanding of the word of the living God. He has an illuminating ministry. And one of his tasks, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. What the Holy Spirit will do is he will shine a light on Jesus in the scriptures for us so that as we grow, we will see more and more of the glory of Jesus in his holy word. But secondly, we could say that the Spirit <clears throat> teaches us of our covenant relationship with God. He teaches us of the depth of God's love for us and the nature of the relationship that we have with him. Verse 17, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, the Holy Spirit is the one that makes union with Jesus Christ a reality in our lives. Theologians often talk about the Holy Spirit's work of application. The Father set his love on his people from the foundation of the world. The Son came and died for those people. And the Holy Spirit comes and he applies to us the redemption that is purchased by Christ. He makes that union with Jesus a reality. And in verse 20, Jesus says, when he sends the Spirit, you will know in that day that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. That's the language of our union with our Savior. 
Now, why is this important that we know and that we understand that Jesus is in the Father and that we are in him and he is in us? <coughs> Our God existed from all eternity as a perfect tri-unity. Have you ever stopped to consider the fact that our God was a God of love? He was a relational God even before he created man. Each person of the Trinity existed in a perfect, eternal communion. With a perfect love. There's no greater love than that. And Jesus is saying to us, Well, that same love, that same bond, that same communion is yours in me by the ministry of the Spirit. The Spirit unites us to Christ at our salvation. The the Holy Spirit, we could say, initiated the bond that we have with Christ. And then... All our life long, he maintains and he strengthens that unbreakable bond. So he teaches us of the unbreakable covenant we have with our God. But thirdly, his ministry, we could say, is it's one of peace and comfort. He teaches you of the peace and safety that you have in Jesus and in the Heavenly Father. The disciples felt insecure and anxious as they contemplated living without the physical presence of Jesus. And again, we are in a same situation. While we wait for Jesus, while we live apart from his physical presence, how often do we feel vulnerable and insecure? How often we find ourselves anxious and afraid about the future? Jesus says, I want you to know and I want you to find comfort in the ministry of the comforter, the helper. Jesus says his ministry is to assure you of the peace and the security that you have in me and have in my Father. In verse 27, again, he's talking about going away, but sending the Holy Spirit, leaving us with the Holy Spirit. And he says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, the Holy Spirit is consistently reminding us of the finished work of Christ and how we have peace with God through the blood of the cross. He's giving us comfort and we had sung from Psalm 23. And that psalm expresses that same comfort. And uh, there's a unique 
feature in that psalm where David starts out, he, he talks about the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. But then when we find him in the valley of the shadow of death, it's no longer the distant he, but David refers to him as you. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. There's a picture of nearness. And that's what the Spirit does. He makes the presence of Jesus and His Father known to us, and He does that especially in times of trial and anxiety and trouble. So the Holy Spirit is your teacher, but secondly, He is your counselor. Depending on what Bible version you have, this is translated differently. Helper, counselor, comforter. Uh, some versions even take the original Greek word and refer to the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. It comes right out of the biblical Greek because the word is so rich in meaning, we, we have a hard time settling on one word to translate it. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the parakletos, the paraclete. And that word can mean advocate, intercessor, counselor, helper, comforter. But what is, what is a paraclete? What is a counselor? Well, in a legal sense, it's someone who defends you. Uh, attorneys are often called counselor, someone who defends you in a court of law. But when we hear the word counselor, what do we also think of? We also think of someone that you go to with your personal struggles and your personal problems, and then they help you. They give you counsel. And I would argue that this word encompasses both. And again, you notice, notice the terminology. This is another. The Holy Spirit is another paraclete. You know the Sunday school answer. answer. Guess who the other paraclete is in the scriptures? 1 John 2.1 My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, a counselor, a paraclete with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Got some water coming down again. <laughs> Jesus is the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is the other paraclete. Now, I think when we think of a, a counselor in the legal sense in, in our culture, what do, you, what do you do? If you're in trouble, you have to go down to some law firm with multiple names on it and pay some exorbitant amount, amount to have a counselor defend you. But that wasn't the idea in Jesus' culture. In this time, if you found yourself in legal trouble, you got your best friend to defend you. He would come into a court of law, and he would defend you, and he would testify to your character. 
I think we could say that in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit, we have our two best friends as our advocate, as our intercessors, as our defenders. And the Holy Spirit assures us, thank you, the Holy Spirit assures us that if we are in Christ, if you are in Christ today, God is no longer the judge who condemns you, but He is the Father who has adopted you. We know that we're often guilty of of sin and that we're unable to meet the Lord's standards, but the perfect righteousness of Christ has been given to us for our justification. And the Holy Spirit confirms that in our hearts. Matthew Henry writes this, The clients are guilty. Their innocence and legal righteousness cannot be pleaded. It is the advocate's own righteousness that he must plead for the criminals. Now Jesus and the Holy Spirit don't have to keep changing the Father's mind. This is more a ministry to us, to reassure us. We can trust that the Holy Spirit will defend us when we are guilty and He will plead Christ's sacrifice and Christ's righteousness. He will defend us and counsel us when we are tempted, providing for us a way out. He will defend us when we are wrongly accused. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus assures us of this. He says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. The Holy Spirit is our counselor and our defender and what a comfort it should be to us that we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous, as well as having an advocate in our own hearts, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is your teacher. He is your counselor. But then thirdly, we see that The Holy Spirit is the one who enables our faith and obedience. To say it another way, the Holy Spirit is the agent of our sanctification. I think many of you are aware, but the word sanctify comes from the word holy. It means to be made holy. Now this explains the the seemingly odd placement of all of Jesus' calls to keep his commandments. Did you hear how they were woven throughout this passage? Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 21, whoever has my commandments keeps them. He it is who loves me. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Jesus weaves in all these commandments 
that call us to obedience, to keep his commandments. And we need to remember the setting here. Jesus is calling these men to obedience, but what had just happened? They had had their sin exposed in the foot washing. And they were no doubt devastated, and they were no doubt thinking, but we are a bunch of failures. And the question is, how? Lord, we, we want to keep your commandments. We want to love you, but how? We're failures. We know that feeling. But Jesus' encouragement to us is that our keeping of his commandments is not dependent <coughs> upon us, but on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us like Christ. I heard a speaker at a Westminster conference say that we should think of the Holy Spirit as the holying spirit. Because His work is to make us holy. To make us like Christ. Jesus is not saying, I need from you perfect obedience. The, the word He uses here, keep, means to guard, to cherish. He's saying, Hold my commandments close because they come from me and I love you. And we need to remember that when it comes to the law of God, friends, we as, as believers in Jesus, we don't take the law from the hand of Moses. We take the law from the hand of Jesus. We take the law from the hand of one who kept that law perfectly for us. Yes, the law shows us our sin. It shows us our unrighteousness. It shows us our inability. But then, like a gracious teacher, it leads us to Jesus. And having rested in Jesus, then we can obey in the Holy Spirit, not to be saved, but because we are saved. Friends, this reminds us, Jesus and His Spirit and your Father in heaven are on your side in your battle against sin. Jesus is saying here, not you have to prove your love to me, but He's saying, if you keep my commandments, then, then it'll be clear evidence to you and encouragement to you that you belong to me. So he enables our faith and obedience. But finally, the Holy Spirit is the homemaker. He is the homemaker. You may remember from last week how at the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus comforted his disciples by promising them that they will have a place in his father's house. He talked about home to comfort them. He said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. We thought about that, that image and how comforting it is. But while it's comforting, it also left some unanswered questions. Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. And one day he will come again for us to bring us there. But what do we do in the meantime? Is our intimacy with God diminished while we wait? Are we to be spiritually homeless? Are we to be spiritual orphans until Jesus comes again? Jesus' comforting answer is to point us to the Spirit's home-making ministry in our lives. Verse 18, he assures the disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In other words, you're not going to be homeless. You're not going to lack my presence. And then in verse 23, he says, and listen to the home-making language. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The Holy Spirit in our lives makes a home for Jesus and our gracious Heavenly Father so that we can know His presence and have that comfort. Now, those of you who are homemakers know what a tough job that is. And so often homemaking seems like it's holding back the tides of chaos. And um, when there was a period I, I, when I didn't work and Janine was working and I was home, I got a first-hand taste of how hard homemaking is where you clean up one room and while your back's turned on the other room, it's now a mushroom cloud of toys and other things that you have to clean up. Well, the Holy Spirit is the perfect homemaker. And our lives might be messy and they might be chaotic, but He comes and He graciously yet effectively cleans and cleanses and sanctifies us. Now, when we think of our own homes, we can often say to people, well, that room is off limits. And we can have one of two motivations for that. We, we can say it's off limits because it's neat and it's exactly the way I want it. Don't go in there and touch anything. That's, I was looking for my sermon notes this morning because um, someone went into a place that was off limits, but we, we can have a room that's off limits because we want it our way. We think it's together the way it should be. But we can also say, well, this closet is off limits because if you open it, it's going to be very embarrassing to me and you might get hurt as everything falls out. So something can be off limits because we don't want anyone to see it because we're embarrassed because it's a mess. And the question I want to pose to you today, is there 
an area in the deep corner of your life that you were saying to Jesus and his spirit, that's, that's off limits. And we can be saying, no, that's off limits because I'm doing okay right there. It, it's neat. It's just the way I want it. That's self-righteousness, saying that we don't need the work of Jesus and his spirit because we have it together here. Or on the other hand, we could say, no, that's off limits because that is so painful and it's so embarrassing and it seems like such a great sin. And we say, that's off limits. Is there an area in your life today that you are telling Jesus and his spirit, that's off limits. And I would urge you today to open your hearts to Him. As I said already, the Spirit and the Son and the Father are on our side in our battle against sin. They want our best and our highest good, and though Sometimes the sanctifying work of the Spirit can be painful. In the end, it is worth it. Let Him be the homemaker in your life. Let Him be the homemaker so that you can experience more deeply the presence and the comfort of the triune God in your life. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. He is your counselor. He is the agent of your sanctification and he is your homemaker. And I would exhort you today to live in light of the Spirit's ministry in your life. To find comfort in the fact that he is with you and will be in you. Live in light of the Holy Spirit. Press forward forsaking sin and seeking to obey Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we ask now that you would implant these words deep within our hearts. Lord, may your Holy Spirit do his work within us. May he bring cleansing and comfort. May he strengthen us. May he make your presence and your son's presence more real and palpable to us. Lord, we thank you that you have not left us as orphans, but you have sent us your paraclete, your helper. And we ask, O oh God, that we might live with confidence and strength in his power for Jesus' sake and for Jesus' glory. Amen.